Lucy, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Marias, for inviting me here. Really glad to be here today. Awesome. Um, and you rode your bike in, so how cool is that? I did, being a true Vancouverite. There you go. I mean, I just moved to Vancouver last year, but I'm trying to act like a local, live like a local. There you go. Act like a local, <laughs> local live like a local. Um, yeah. Well, Lucy, it's great having you, especially because we're here in Vancouver, and especially because Vancouver has become such a Web3 hub. Um, but for our audience, do you want to just share a little bit about your story, who you are, how you got into Web3, and, and your thoughts on it? Yeah, um, love to share. I, it's funny because just a year ago, I had no idea what Web3 was. And today, I am not only curious about Web3, I'm actually um, working on a city DAO for Vancouver with a couple of my friends. Uh, so in between that, what happened, I, like I said earlier, I moved to Vancouver. And um, I realized just from getting to know people that there is such an underrated city for technology in general and not to mention Web3. There are so many talented individuals. There are so many people doing great things. Dapper Labs is from here. Um, a lot of interesting companies are you know, having a foothold here now, whether that's Chainlink, you know, Layer Zero, and some of the other, other my, my friend's team, DFX, has a presence here as well. I just realized there's so many, so, so cool. many interesting people here. And there, you go to an event in Vancouver, a Web3 event, and you, you will meet one of these individuals, and you can speak with them. Um, it's, it's nothing like, you know, when you're going to the States or other countries for a major blockchain event and you will see these speakers on stage, but you never really get to interact them with them at an intimate level. And I just thought that is so cool. Like, I think the first thing that kind of drew me in was just this vibe, you know? So cool, right? The community. So, so it's part of the reason why I wanted to have you on here. So Vancouver's turned into being such a cool little web hub, Web3 hub. Why do you think that is the case? And why have so many interesting and cool companies that are in the Web3 space come out of Vancouver. Like, like, have you thought about why this is the case? I was curious about that myself, to be quite honest, but I think um, maybe part of it was just the whole working remote culture that started during the pandemic. You know, Vancouver is a beautiful place to live in. Um, you know, it's just, I feel like uh, somehow I realized when I moved here, a lot of um, coders, programs and engineers live off the Vancouver Island. I think maybe it's just this beautiful environment where it gives people the space to create and, and, to, and to, hmm. you know, maybe it's just a space. And it's, I, I think um, in Canada, right, if you think about Web3, I would say Vancouver is a place to be. The community here is clearly growing. And I think there's a community also growing in Toronto where I came from. Um, but I think it's a, we're both it's both early stage, um, and I think for people who are working remotely, uh, it seems like there's more tech communities here in Vancouver, and people recognize that and just following the steps. It's interesting. I haven't thought of it that way. See, I How thought, do you think about it? I'm curious too. So I thought that because Dapper's from here, that mm -hmm. Dapper's success had kind of created this like environment where others were thinking, hey, what is this Web3? What are NFTs? What are DAOs? What's blockchain? How can I participate? So that's kind of been my thinking historically. But what you're saying, and I think there's a lot of, a lot of merit to it, is the environment of like just how beautiful it is and just the maybe the more laid back culture has created an environment where people can think about new ideas. And maybe just the next big new idea is Web3, and, and that's part of the reason. 
I think I think that I think that kind of creates a chronological storyline. I do right? agree with you that Dapper being in Vancouver certainly plays a big role in bringing in talent in the first place of obviously being the uh, first to create the ERC uh, standards for NFT. Like I think that is a big uh, milestone in the industry to begin with. So I think that's definitely playing a part into it. And then now there are just more and more people who are working remotely here. Um, it, it, yeah, it's really interesting. It's kind of like a confluence. It's all kind of all come together. Yeah, it's a congregation of yeah. all, all these people in, in this one place. Super interesting. So, so for our audience who, who might be new at kind of Web3 and blockchain and all that kind of stuff, how do you define Web3? So what would be the most concise way that you could explain what Web3 is and also what it means to you? I usually tell my friends outside of Web3 uh, I usually explain by explain quickly about what Web 1, Web 2, Web 3 is, but to yeah. be concise, <laughs> to me, really, it's um, a lot of the buzzwords that you heard before, ownership, um, creativity, community, relationships. To me, the relationship part is actually really key and vital, um, and then we can get more into that, deeply into that. I think that's part of the reason why I'm doing what I do in Web3 right now um, and with the DAO. Cool, I, I like that. And, and, and maybe just for the benefit of the audience, do you mind sharing that kind of like Web1, Web2, Web3 progression? Because I, I, I do I, think I it's, yeah, I do think it's helpful. I love to, <laughs> yeah. I feel like this is such a good way for um, people to understand what Web3 is. I like to say that, okay, when we think about Web1, maybe like in the 90s, you know, internet was no more than this online repository of information. It's like an online encyclopedia, uh, but we, haven't really found a way to necessarily interact with in the information on the internet. Uh, it's just like a library. You can go in there and look up information. Um, then I think about Web2 as, you know, maybe when Facebook came along, mm -hmm. finally we uh, find a way to really interact and engage with each other. Then businesses start to in, uh, being able to engage with their customers, and businesses start to find a way to interact with other businesses. So that whole interaction um, and engagement uh, became the norm during Web two, and we have monetized the internet by that point. Mm -hmm. Web three uh, builds upon Web two, but dif there are many differentiating factors, and I think. The major part of it, uh, one big part, is definitely ownership. Mm -hmm. um, Web two, if, when we think about Web two, if you a very very um, typical example will be you as a content creator or a business, and then you uh, market yourself on Instagram or Facebook, but the platform itself is being controlled by a centralized mm -hmm. body. You know if. If these decision makers, uh, the shareholders of this company, decide to change the platform, take it away completely, which is more of an unlikely case, but maybe put restrain or, or mm -hmm. block your account, then you can potentially um, lose your content or not have total control over your content. But in Web3, that whole thing changes because all of that same thing, activities, happen on the blockchain. So you own your data, you no longer rely on a platform, on, on, on somebody else to control, have comp, having control over what you create as a content creator. It's, it's super interesting. I saw an interesting tweet actually, and it went like this. It went, web one, read only, web two, mm -hmm. read write, web three, read write own. 
I love right? that. I thought that was really interesting. I love it. I'm going I'm to steal totally, that one. Yeah, it's not mine to steal. It's whoever ordered on Twitter, but you can have it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to put that in my back pocket. I love that one. Yeah, it's interesting, right? So like read one, when I think, sorry, a web one, when I think of the first version of the internet, I think of something like Yahoo, and I think of blog sites. So it's like I'm just reading something, and I'm not putting anything in. I'm just taking it out by just reading it. And then when I think of Web 2, I think of social media sites like Facebook. It's like, okay, now I'm reading, but I'm also contributing, so I'm writing. So it's like read, write. And then when I think of Web 3, I think of things like NFTs um, and, and like cryptocurrencies and blockchain because not only am I getting something, am I contributing, but now I actually have ownership of that thing. Um, and I think when it's discussed this way, I think that it's, it's easier to kind of understand that like, this is where it goes. Yeah, I love that. And then personally, because professionally, I came from the traditional finance background. Yeah. So when I think about Web3, I think a lot about DeFi. That's what really uh, interests me and make, made me curious about Web3 as well. And I, I, I worked in a bank for the long, one of the large banks in Canada for the longest time ever, <laughs> uh, for the most part, better part of my career. And um, a, a huge part of any business done through the bank is, you know, the KYC process. And when we look at DeFi in the Web3 space, that goes away almost completely. I wouldn't say uh, it necessarily goes away 100% because there may be one piece of information here and there needed for a certain type of transaction, but it's almost like, you know, zero knowledge. You yeah. give away only what you need for that transaction but you don't have to give away all of your personal information like you traditionally would uh, with a traditional financial institution. And I thought that is revolutionary as well. I like, I like the, the notions of zero trust and zero, um, what was the term you used? Zero, zero knowledge. Zero knowledge. Yeah. I, I like both those terms because it, you start off from a place where the individual owns everything and then they're just giving just enough. To, to satisfy the requirement of the other party or the requirement of getting that kind of transaction happening. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot better than the opposite, right? Where it's like, you know, right now these big platforms have all your information, everything, and mm -hmm. then you kind of can barely hold on to, to, to a piece of it, which is, this is this is it flipped upside down. Yeah, um, absolutely. But uh, of course, that also comes with, uh, the, the, with every great thing comes to, um, there's a downside to that. And obviously with something like no KYC, um, it does increase risk and, you know, uh, privacy issues. Um, you know, you don't know, sometimes you may not know the real, really who you're dealing with. And there could be, there could be um, issues at hand and risk involved with the, you know, you don't know who the counterparty is. But then there's also transparency when it comes to, you know, every, you can verify every transaction on the blockchain. So I think there's so many different factors. And I think this is just such a, new space they're good and the bad and when 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 i when i became interested about web3 my friends and i um i guess i'm gonna go into a yeah. little bit how how i how i got into the DAO because we, we we saw these good good and bad and with DAO is so early and i think there are best practices and how many many horror stories of how DAO screw up and we're just like this is such a nascent space mm -hmm. um so there, we we can really jump in there and and see what we can make out of it. Um, so how how it all started was really uh, back in February this year. I think it was one of the first major uh, in real life events uh, for for Ethereum. So it was ETH Denver. My friends and I went to ETH Denver. Oh, you went? Yeah, we cool. went there. My my first crypto event. 
So your really? first one was East Denver. East Denver. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doing it big. Yeah, the first yeah. time. I, we, I personally, it was my first time. I was just amazed and how many people showed up to that event, how well organized it is, how many wonderful, passionate speakers there are. Mm -hmm. um, and just like everyone, it feels like the people are there with an intention. And the community was just astounding to me. So, so you go to East Denver, you end up getting super immersed in this. You end up um, like going in, in kind of in a big way. And then you end up creating a DAO. But maybe before we jump into the, to the DAO uh, for our audience, do you want to just explain just in the most concise way possible what a DAO is and, and how it can be beneficial? Absolutely. DAO it stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization. Um, and uh, if I want to make this really concise, it is a lot like a corporation, but the, uh, but the decision-making and the ownership piece is somewhat different. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of the businesses and corporation where the decision-making risk with few key individuals, the, in a DAO, it's decisions being made by the community. Um, there is a, some, some community members can maybe have more say in a DAO than not, so it, there, there is that, but um, a big part about DAO is that each DAO has its own objective and mission, and the community is a backbone of that. The community are all there, most likely because they're aligned with that mission, mm -hmm. and then we will have key issues how to ad advance uh, the DAO towards those missions by having the community involved. And, and both. Yeah, I, I, I love that description. And, and the way I think of it too is like, there's needs for organized collectives of people that have similar visions and values and kind of like a path forward. And typically they've created like, you know, traditional organizations or companies or whatever. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I think in, 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 in a lot of cases, a DAO makes a lot of sense because you're decentralizing ownership. And, and where I think this makes the most sense is around community oriented projects. Right, and and I know you're involved in, in YVR DAO. Um, so did is YV, did you jump into YVR DAO and create YVR DAO because it makes the most sense for a DAO in a community setting, or, or was it something about YVR DAO that kind of just spoke to you? Um, how I how I, how it came about, it, it, it was an evolution of a series of different events. Really, um, it started with the East Denver yeah, event. Cool. Coming yeah, yeah. back, coming back to Vancouver after the event, my friends and I were just chatting. How come there isn't a big community in Vancouver? We have more fragmented, smaller communities doing their own thing in silos, um, and because everyone's obviously so busy advancing their objectives and people don't have time to really talk to each other and have, I guess, really big scale, meaningful collaborations. Um, you, you know, we don't have ETH Vancouver mm -hmm. before February, right? We don't really have, we didn't have a city DAO before uh, earlier this Crazy, year. Crazy, because like Vancouver has been this like web hub, web three hub, but you're right, it's been mostly in like isolation and all these little pockets. Yeah, um, yeah, so exactly. So I mean, yeah. Connecting the dots of everything I've talked talked about so far, Marias, uh, when I saw the pool of talents here, um, but but then but then coming back from from the states, seeing that there, we don't have a big community for these individuals, 
it, it just raised the question. I think a lot of times this is how startups or you know people yeah. coming out of business start anything is is a question. It's like why don't we have this? Mm -hmm. And and can can we can we create something like this? And from our discussions, very casual discussions, the answer is yes. Why not? And then so. Uh, YBR DAO really came out of East Vancouver. So East Vancouver, it's such a funny way how it started. <laughs> Basically, set up, click, set up an event on meetup.com. Venue, we don't have one. So what about the beach in February, Vancouver? We can show up in a winter jacket. What's the worst thing that can happen? No one shows yeah. up and we go have dinner after with the friends. Yeah. But you know what? I, I personally wasn't there for the first event, but um, my co-founder, actually, Christian, he, he was there in the first event. Um, 20 plus people showed up to a random meetup event on and, the beach and, in and in, in Vancouver in February, it's not, it's not a great like climate to be out in the, at the beach. Not, no, not, not, not whatsoever. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's how it all started. We, um, ever since that day, we've had weekly events every Thursday, meeting in the same spot. More and more people showed up. Now the, the community, initially um, myself and a few other members did a lot of organizing, finding speakers, mm -hmm. you know, uh, just little administrative things to just get people together. Uh, now it's been it's been so since February it's now it's uh, October. Every single Thursday, the the events are pretty much organized by the community. It's self operating, but then that's when we ask the question. Okay, it's wonderful that we have a lot of ETH enthusiasts yeah. gathering in one place every week in the same same spot. But what about everyone else? You know, like just by focusing on the on Ethereum, the Ethereum community is a little exclusive. Yeah. We kind of ignore everything else that's happening and there's so much happening. There's so many other layer ones, there's so many mm -hmm. other um, different focus in Web3, right? Um, NFTs and apps being built on, on other blockchains as well. We talked about Dapper last yeah. before, they built their own blockchain flow. Um, and then so just by, just by having ETH Vancouver, we, we don't get to talk to all these other amazing Web3 participants. So that's when, um, so, t so three individuals from the ETH like regular community, community members, and uh, we, 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 we met two individuals, Glenn and Oliver from the UBC Blockchain Club. Okay. Glenn, I think he, he runs the uh, UBC Blockchain Club. They have uh, amazing events and workshop, which mm -hmm. I encourage people to check out, especially free workshops for people who just want to learn the basics. Um, and then we, we said, why don't we, why don't we try to work together? You know, is that where you created YBR DAO? That's when we created YBR DAO. Cool. There are other interesting stories in between, but then uh, we so basically I did a female centric uh, conference. That was huge. That was yeah. huge. Yeah, that kind of eventually led to um, YBR DAO shaping its form as well. So a cool. lot of that's one of the amazing things about Web three is that a lot of these things are in interconnected, the communities, and then meeting one person or one community kind of leads you to another and working together. And I think um, I think we just need to do more of that. Makes sense. So, yeah. so, so just to recap, so you leave, you go to ETH Denver, 
you leave kind of the traditional finance world and you dive into Web3 and your kind of steps forward have been very collaborative and just progress, like just progressing along that path has led you to create YVR DAO, which is like this f great DAO. I guess for, 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 our, for our audience who, who, who mostly work at brands, um, do you see a world where DAOs kind of interact with brands and, and how brands could eventually be benefit or, or use DAOs? I definitely think brands can, first of all, benefit from Web3, um, not just from a marketing perspective, but also just community to its, its um, and, and customers, right, in, in, in a different medium, in a more creative way. Um, in terms of DAOs, I think, um, I think if a brand really wants to build its, what, what I can think of is if a brand really wants to build a very loyal customer base, DAO could be a really good tool for them to, to entrench that kind of community. Um, I know there are brands out there right now, like I think I heard recently that, for example, Sephora is actually looking to build its own metaverse. They're not trying to build anything on the central land or sandbox or Just anything like that, but, build, but to build their own. And I think as they're building, I think to, 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 to keep on engaging the community, there, there, should be, there should be some kind of DAO. On how, how they could, like if they did create this metaverse, mm -hmm. they could kind of vote on how it kind of turned, like how it changed or how it kind of took form. Is, is kind of yeah, the idea. yeah, to, yeah. I think I think um, I think they can definitely engage with their customers on on the metaverse. But then that's just I feel like that kind of interaction is just kind of like um, customers consume and then you know. But but in order to really have a community behind it, who are well, it could could be both customers or people who are just interested in the future. Of this kind of space, mm -hmm. um, and with the right uh, talk, uh, with the right ownership system, whether that's uh, voting through DAO, uh, sorry, voting through token, like token uh, DAO, uh, through DAO Treasury, yeah. or some kind of gated NFT membership, you know, these loyal fans or these uh, people who are enthusiastic about yeah. cosmetics, skincare can actually have a say, you know, they can participate. Uh, it's not just about consuming anymore, which is a very one direction type of interaction if you really think about it, but they can now participate and, and, and directly suggest or even influence how the company can make its decisions. It makes a lot forward. of sense, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think a challenge DAOs have is they've been very, like, distant to understand like, like you hear DAO and you go like ooh, what is that mm -hmm. but really what a DAO is is just a, a way for a community to be able to kind of decentralize the decisions right and, mm -hmm. and I don't think a DAO and this is just my own opinion I don't think a DAO makes sense for every organization or even every community or even every group but there's definitely some groups whether they're within a brand or they're within you know Vancouver where it's like hey we're a group of people we all believe the same thing and we all want to participate equally or we want to participate um, it kind of, and, and, and know that no one can kind of take this away from us. And I think in those scenarios, a DAO makes a ton of sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like um, it, sometimes there are just these creative people out there or people who really have an interesting vision or saying. And sometimes these voices doesn't carry, really carry it to the 
whether it's brands or any type of companies, any type of non-Web3 companies out there, um, because the, the, usually the decisions are made by the largest shareholders, yeah. you know, people with the most, you know, the, the management team, you know, or the the key key staff within the employees within the firm, but um, it's, more, really, it's more equitable. But really, especially brands, their customers their customers are consumers. What's the best way to get as close to the consumer? It's not just to listen to the biggest shareholders. It's not just to listen to key employees, even though they know a lot about the business itself. But to get to be really cons customer focused centric. You gotta get closer to them, and and what better way than to do that than to get into the community of your of and make them feel a part of it. Users. Yeah. So, so this has been really helpful. Maybe just just one last question because I, I think you've made the whole DAO thing feel a little less distant, and and, and, and at least has cleared up some things for Thank me. Thank you for your question. So yeah. Leading me there. Um, <laughs> but just one question. So the way I kind of see adoption of Web three. I think digital assets and NFTs are, are an earlier kind of like step in. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, cool, a digital asset. I get some utility, I get some access to it. Mm -hmm. um, the metaverse, I, I don't know exactly where to put that in my kind of progression. I just think it's further along than NFTs. Um, and then for me, DAOs kind of like are out there too. If you were to think through adoption and just think through like your aunt or your uncle in terms of their engagement with Web3, where do you see NFTs? Where do you see metaverse? Where do you see DAOs? And, and which ones kind of are, uh, engage people sooner than, 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 than later? I love that question. Um, very interesting. Before I answer your question about which one gets there sooner, I personally do feel like the one big roadblock in my view to people for, in terms of adoption into whether it's crypto or Web3 is actually UX. UX, I agree. I just think that if you're really making a transaction, trying to send some money, it's gonna or, be so simple. It, it's gotta be, it's actually not that complicated if you've taken the time to ramp on, like it, you know, read about instructions carefully. But, but the thing, yeah. but the thing is, it is not UX friendly and people can make mistakes sending things from one place to another. The reason why I think, I, I feel like I always use Uber as an example. Whether, whether the company is successful or not, it's a different conversation, but we, no one can argue that, that a lot of people use it. Yeah. In, in the sense of adoption, they've, they've done that really well. Why is that? Because they made it super simple for yes. people to use. So I think uh, who's gonna, which, which part of it, NFT, metaverse, or what was the other piece that you mentioned? Who's gonna get there first? DAOs, metaverses, NFTs. Yeah, I think it, it's, it's gotta make it easy for people to use, especially if you're thinking about our uncles, our parents. Yeah. And I think that's just the biggest piece of the puzzle, even though it may not be obvious. I agree. Obvious. No, and, and I think that's a great uh, response to, 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 to the question there. It's like, what's gonna get adopted the soonest? And I think what you're saying, and I completely agree, is what, where is the best user experience and what, where is it the easiest to kind of on-ramp? And uh, that's something that we're very passionate about uh, solving. And I, I, uh, I, I love that answer. Um, thank you. So Lucy, thank you for joining us. And uh, 
you've helped educate people on DAOs um, at events and, and other places, and now you've done it here for, for kind of our group. So thank you, and, and, and thank you for making them not sound so uh, confusing, because uh, I know initially people first at first glance think that. Yeah, I, I do believe that. And thank you so much, uh, Marias, for giving me this opportunity to chat with you today, chat about Web3 and DAO. I really enjoyed the conversation. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Awesome.